welcome to episode 106 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on February 21st, 2021. My name's Eric. I'm the host of the show based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and computer geek. Uh, as a first responder, I witnessed an over-reliance in emergency services and started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. Nice try, Ian. You didn't even fall for it this time. Nope. <laughs> All right. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student of preparedness, target shooter, and my farm's mediocre handyman. I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and all-over safety nerd. My name is Andrew. I'm a recovering libertarian and a firearms instructor at Ragnarok Tactical. I'm Gavin. I'm also an instructor with Ragnarok Tactical, volunteer search and rescue slash first responder, and swell guy, at least according to my parents, who may or may not be not drinking any more Coke products. Ever again. <laughs> I, I, I might need the backstory on that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, me as well. I think. Yeah, that's fine. We'll get back to that later. Yeah. <laughs> After show. Yeah, you might want to not do that because you may get more feedback. <laughs> if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, including hearing Gavin's uh, story about drinking Coke products, yeah. buy some swag. We have both T-shirts and the super awesome Wicked Cool Velcro patch at www prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds go to help keep the lights on and the backup generator fuel. All right, if you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or if there's just a topic you want us to cover. You can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. Okay, so we've got some uh, frozen legging content for you in this episode. Uh, that's a reach. That's a, 106 that's a, that's a reach. episodes in, still <laughs> terrible. Wow. <laughs> First, we're going to start off with some news-related articles. Then uh, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last uh, episode, and then we're going to get into the main topic, tactical clothing. Well, from the, from the prepper community, there is not much else to discuss other than what's happening in Texas right now. It's true. Um, it's a gong show. Um, what was the uh, the Marty Huggins line from the candidate? Bring your brooms because it's a mess. Uh, the campaign, not the candidate, which is, is a phenomenal movie if you have, if you haven't watched it. Um, one of the things that has happened in the, uh, as a result of this uh, um, horrific power outage is that the variable rate customers who are so used to their um, 12 cents per kilowatt hour have all of a sudden been stuck with power bills in the tens of thousands as the demand has risen, so has the cost, and the available supply has decreased. The laws of supply and demand are such that people who are used to paying $0.12 cents a kilowatt hour are now paying upwards of $10 per kilowatt hour, um, which results in thousands and thousands of dollars of electrical bills. So, yeah, awesome. Screw you, power companies. <laughs> All of them. So, yeah, I mean, Alan's new story there had a $17,000 electric bill for one person for one month just for this yep. power. Yeah, that's business. insane. So, yeah. That's and nuts. I, I guess if you if you sign a contract based on spot price and at the time you think it's a good deal because it's like you know whatever spot price is you'll you'll get the best best benefit out of it. Well, it's a it's a once in a century event, so why not, right? Yeah. All right. I guess for my except first one, it's your century, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, except for it's your your time. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, to to go down the rabbit hole a bit, Sleepy Joe called it during the election. He said it was going to be a very dark winter. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny that he called it back in November. That you know, obviously bit of a joke there but there's yeah. a new york times article where he talks about it this dark winter that's going to be a horrible time for most americans 
I was like, oh, okay. Uh, first article was uh, 4 million Texans actually without power. So, that's a few. That's a lot. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, there's more to this story, though, it turns out. So, I guess with Backup a lot of... Backup generator sales have uh, increased dramatically? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that'd be one thing. But, interesting enough, so the solar panels obviously didn't do so well when they got covered in snow. And the wind turbines froze up, so that was a problem. But then they also had issues with the fact that the nuclear power generators weren't winterized. So they actually had out, outside water lines for coolant that froze, and so they couldn't cool the reactors. So normally reactors shut down when the water gets too hot because, you know, obviously they don't provide enough of a cooling coefficient. So now well, they, One could say they were cooling too efficiently, and then they didn't. And then they just didn't at all. So they had to scram a couple nuclear generators. And then so then they had the solar offline, the wind turbines offline, and the nuclear generators offline. And they hit peak demand because of the request for heating. So they actually, turns out, they intentionally shut down the power. It wasn't just like a failure. So they said if they didn't shut down the power when they did, they would actually bring out the bigger substations and the bigger transformers. And it would be uh, 18 to 24 months before they got power back. So they said within two minutes, if they had let it go on for two more minutes with the demand the way it was, that would have been it uh, for Texas wow. for at least a year and a half. Because they said... Uh, Basically, because there's there's three interties in the states, right? There's the eastern, western, and the Texas interties is independent because Texas, you know, and yeah, everything's uh, bigger in Texas, yeah. and, and, yeah. and independent minded. So they they actually cut themselves off from like you know sharing power demands and surges and stuff. So they didn't have the capability to meet the higher demand, what I call it momentary demand. But anyways, it's it, it was just a huge increase in peak demand. Wow. So they did it intentionally, and they said we can't bring it back online right now because if we do, we'll cause more damage, and that was their problem. Did you see that? Part of this stems from that the power, the company selling power to the Texas Power Board, and I don't remember the acronym for the name of the board that regulates electric power in Texas. They P-U-C-T. effectively do not. I'm sorry. PUCT, Public Utility Commission of Texas. Uh, this is maybe the regulatory board, but there's okay. another. There's another group that actually uh, is like the intermediary between the power generation and the power distribution. Mm. The Texas mm. Public Power Commission controls the distribution and you can't be a distributor and also a generator in Texas. Um, you can do one or the other, but not both. Because of the way the spot pricing works on this, that the energy generation, the electrical energy generation in Texas is based on uh, a futures market that they do like 20 or 48 hours in advance of the act, the anticipated demand. So the regulatory body that oversees that says we need so many megawatts of power 48 hours from now, and we're willing to pay X number of dollars per megawatt and the various generating services, nuclear alternative winds, solar, whatever, or uh, predominantly in Texas, fossil fuel plants, mostly natural gas power plants, decide whether or not they're going to operate or not at that time to produce the demand or to meet the demand, the forecasted demand, they effectively have no reserve power as a result of this scheme. It's supposed to save the consumer money, but it also means that if the forecast is wrong, they can't meet consumer demand. It's kind of like starving in a grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. Not unlike... Or yeah. like the dairy board where you've got excess milk, but you can't sell it because you've met your quota. Well, uh, do you guys remember, I mean, most of you are probably old enough to remember Enron. I don't know if all of our listeners remember Enron. Yeah, it's a pretty cool, cool math skills, yep. I remember. Well, yeah. 
certainly um, energy's future trading is a thing. What Enron did is basically what the Utilities Commission in Texas is still doing with their futures energy market. Yeah, but it's different when they do it. It's really the same thing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like sports betting. It's completely immoral and illegal in Ontario unless you're the government. Right. And it's a good idea. Yeah. Same concept. It, just, it entertains me that this is all done as a government exercise to provide better value for the consumer, but also yeah, completely you screw the wrong. consumer. You're completely on your own. And then some yeah. West Texas mayor boomer was like, well, you just got to bootstrap yourself. Some people aren't going to make this through. And it's like, this is the most boomer comment I have ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Survival just, of the fittest, I think, is what he said. You know? <laughs> you're you're oh, literally yeah, so. contracted with the government agency that's the only people that you can legally buy power from because they own the sole rights to the generation and distribution. But if you don't, if they're not able to meet your demands, the government is just going to tell you you're on your own and bootstrap yourself. Okay, cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. <laughs> well done. And I know a lot of guys were trying to pin down the green energy being, you know, like I let them down when they needed it most. But I mean, I think it was only still 4% of the total generation of the state. So it wasn't completely to blame. 4% peak generation of the total yeah. state. And it's yeah. going to be less than that based on their futures market because it's expensive to make solar power. It's not expensive to burn natural gas. And when Especially shit goes sideways, in Texas where you've got a ton of it. Well, and when shit goes sideways, you have to de-ice the propeller blades with, with petroleum products. <laughs> yeah, that's and, embarrassing. And, and, and you know, run helicopters yeah. to, uh, to to deliver those petroleum products to the propeller blades. So it's like not a great energy savings well, overall. Don't, don't forget like the... the the fuel that you're going to have to burn to drive the truck out there to pick up all the dead birds that have been killed by the giant wind turbine, too. That's right. But if the bird was covered in oil, you'd see it on the front page of the news, but because it's not, it's just killed by a propeller blade. Yeah. yeah. Don't worry about it. Actually, yeah, Darius yeah. brings up a good point. Uh, don't forget to fly overseas so you don't have to deal with it like Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, to, to, be fa- to be fair to Ted yeah. Cruz, he didn't go overseas. He just went to Mexico. And, and he's federal. Not not state. Yeah. So I mean, there's still. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's some things he could have done, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. still really bad optics. Yeah, but aren't it's they still, still f- under some sort of travel ban? Or is- well, they're not Canada. Come on now, come on. America. Come on now. Yeah, uh, and I mean, Alan did want to talk about, it, but I'm going to talk about it. Uh, carbon monoxide deaths. It's sad to see that mm-hmm. Alan has been proven right after talking about it almost every episode for over a year. That um, it's got to be yeah. at least 100 episodes. Yeah, it's, but- it's getting close. But yeah. yeah, like I mean, how many people have died from carbon monoxide poisoning from burning stuff indoors that they shouldn't in the last week yep. in Texas? I think it's it's yep. in almost in the hundreds now. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's there've been over a hundred deaths affiliated with the affiliated with this storm, and far too many of them are carbon monoxide. <sighs> Go back and listen to every other episode that I've recorded, and you'll hear me talk about carbon monoxide. I just there's nothing more to say about it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just sad that people get you know panicked. And, and to be fair, uh, their houses no. are. To be fair, the, uh, the the houses are meant to dissipate heat, not retain heat. Yep. Right? Every design yeah. down there is like heat dissipation. So even if they're running a candle, what's it going to do? Right? Like when the house has extreme venting along the roof and everything else. I mean, my sister's in law is actually in Austin. She lives there. She's she's been without power now for what four or five days. And she had to get a little creative. She actually had, took her little plastic kayak and put it over her tropical plants and you know, ran some lights underneath there that, uh, to keep stuff from, from freezing solid. And they've actually bunkered into this big McMansion in the neighborhood and kind of you know created their own little mag and everything else to make it work because that's all the, the, the choices they have, right? Because the, the one house actually has still like, gas running to it at least. It's wow. uh, crazy times. 
I just I don't get why people still think that burning stuff inside is a good idea because like that's not a new it's not new science like that's no. pretty old we've known to not do this for a while but like being in the industry where I sell generators especially small portable ones I can't tell you how many people have said oh, I can run this inside like I mean. No. You no, can. Yes, I but... depends on how long you want to do that for. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, how big? We're not saying you can't. We're saying you yeah. shouldn't. It's not yeah, physically like, impossible. It's just not a oh, great I idea. Had one guy that wanted to <laughs> make his own exhaust pipe that would. I was like, don't no, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> There's literally just get one a standby guy... and wire that in. You'll be fine. Don't run this inside. Yeah. Well, there's actually literally one guy that tried to keep warm in his car, but he wanted to stay extra warm, so he left his garage door closed. I mean, hasn't he seen every like episode, uh, every movie that that has that, like you know, office space and everything else? It's like, yeah, that's seriously yeah. a hazard. But that's yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's yeah. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a lack of it's a lack of planning and. A not couldn't happen to me scenario couldn't happen to me mentality because it's Texas yeah. and it's a desert and it's always hot in Texas and now all of a sudden it's not and people have no idea what to do and it sucks that people are dying as a result it really sucks yeah. there's there's no reason for this aside from it's Texas and yeah. so we're not going to do things in a way that think that that we can withstand a, a deep freeze because we'll never have to. Well, at least yeah. I'm happy that then, my si- I was gonna say my sister in law is probably the coolest head on the block because she's from Winnipeg originally. So I mean well, so it's not even cold for her. Yeah. She's, still <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> she's she's probably still got parkas for when she goes to visit home now and then. So I mean yep. she's probably like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean <laughs> then everyone on top of that's gonna panic because the Whataburger's closed so they can't go and get their food. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Taco trucks will still run though. Oh yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think that's pretty much all I had for uh, for news for me. You had one, Eric? Yeah, I do. So not that we haven't already gone off on a tangent, but uh, I'll just mention Bill's C21. Yeah, yeah, I heard that's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah apparently that's not a yet, thing. Not yet, it's not. Yeah. Not yet, but it's uh, it's on its way. Uh-huh. So, well, yeah, just do, will it make it before the next there. election is another matter. But yeah, as soon yeah. as we started involving like airsofters, you know, it's just like a yeah. good bill, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so welcome to the fight, airsofters. Yep. So it looks bad. Someone scary explained to me how banning an airsoft gun or a paintball gun will stop homicides involving firearms in downtown Toronto. Because marijuana equals meth. No, it's a slippery uh, slope. Uh, uh, yeah, Al, uh, Al, oh, gateway firearm. Gateway firearm. Yes, the yeah. Dr. Najma Ahmed of the Doctors for Prohibition from Guns or whatever they call themselves. Yeah. Um, she actually referred to airsoft pistols as gateway guns because once you get to that, it's just a murder killing spree. Is just like it, the yeah. next natural progression, right? Once, yeah, once, you're, once you're used to once you're used to point, putting your sights on a human target, it doesn't matter what you're firing at them, and therefore they are all bad. Right. That is the that is the 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 argument here. It just is. Like, I mean, just... classical conditioning and such is a thing, except it doesn't work that way. It's not like you're going to just automatically <laughs> become a killer for having an airsoft gun or even. It's all, it also it, it also means that you're not going to not kill somebody. Like you're, you're the, the yeah. Uh, I mean, have, having I, a, having an airsoft gun is doesn't it is completely detached from your your propensity yeah. to, to to harm another human. 
Yeah, I feel like this entire great. bill is completely detached from the propensity of reality. Well, well s- like yeah. several s- others. Same yep. thing, like for you know, banning uh, advertisement uh, of you know, if you say like a shotgun's good for home defense, that's actually a criminal code offense now. You can go to jail for it. I mean, like, how is that going to prevent any crime? Like, and who's advertising firearms like that in this country anyway? What? What? Again, yeah. what good is this going to do from stopping yeah. criminals from criminally misusing a device? Like. Well, yeah. I mean, I was going to manufacture firearms and say that these are good for, you know, settling beefs with other gangs on your street corner while you're slinging meth. But I guess Always I can't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah well, who, you know. Who knew that meth was the least offensive part of all that? Yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> see, and see, I, I see that as a solution to a problem, personally. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. It also seems like we're not going to have a mandatory confiscation just yet. There's an opportunity yep. to sell the firearm to the government for some undisclosed amount of funds, but also yeah. I can keep my newly prohibited firearms as long as I comply with various storage regulations. As but they're so dangerous that nobody they're, needs They're incredibly them. dangerous, yeah. yeah. Incredibly dangerous. Uh, VT so, brings up a good point. Like, what yeah. about the video games that are, uh, you know, yep. they're the worst he's seen yet, and... Uh, Let's face it, like, yeah, like, how many times in Call of Duty have you sat there and blasted away at a human form? Like, yep. that's probably next, because that's promoting violence or something, right? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean... Slippery slope. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, it's even more ridiculous when, when you pair that up with C-22 that gr- got dropped, like, the next day or two days later, where they reduced the penalties for a bunch yep. of violent things and gun-related things, much like when C-71 went through a week later, C-75, which did the same thing. And it's like you're, you're cracking down on guns, but then you're reducing the penalties for people to do the things you're trying to stop. Well, hey, if there's no guns, there's no need for penalties. Yeah. That's how it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, from boots on the ground, Whataburger was open. Mostly, he waited in a one-hour lineup. So, crisis uh, of Oh, that's the, uh, but is, isn't, yeah. that, isn't that a FEMA test? Oh, no, that's <laughs> no, the waffle house. It's the waffle house in there. What if one of burgers open, you're good to go? Well, I was thinking of the waffle house index, which is a which is a, a unit of measurement that FEMA uses to decide how like how long it's going to take to recover from specifically hurricanes. Um, but if the waffle house doesn't close, then it's going to be a short... It's like, it's like a Groundhog Day kind of thing. Um, but it's a measurable correlation between... Um, the the availability of fast food and the recovery of an area after a disaster. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have standards. Fair enough. Well, shall we move into what we've done lately for preps? All righty, uh, so, Eric. Yeah, for me, I uh, just goof around with some lock picking. I kind of put the the pick sound for a while there, so fired that back up and was able to get a few locks open. So that's something at least. It's not the three or four pages of Ian, but it'll do. Well, nobody else put anything in. I wanted to fill. I wanted to do some filler here to kill up some time. Um, <laughs> easy there. For is that easy, yeah. yeah. So the uh, speaking of the lock picking, I did order a set of lock picks uh, via Allen, so I'm looking forward to those showing up and getting into that. That'd be interesting. I've never done that before. So uh, let's see. Update on the carrots. So back in August, September, we had a bunch of spare carrots. Uh, we got a good deal off Costco, I think it was, and. Um, we decided to try storing them in dry pine shavings, and lo and behold, we 
pulled them out of there today to use some for cooking and perfectly fine. Uh, very, very tiny nice. little white roots on them, but like pretty much intact. They're, they were dry, they were crunchy still, they weren't soft and mushy or anything else. It worked. So that's awesome. kind of cool. Yeah, so it went below zero, went uh, all sorts of goofy temperatures and moisture levels, and the shavings were still dry enough around the carrots that uh, they maintained them perfectly. So nice little long-term storage. Did they taste like maybe. an IPA, though? Not quite. <laughs> Not hoppy enough, but... Uh, all right uh let's see here i did a range trip uh luckily enough because of the heavy snow i'll be talking about in three seconds uh i had the range to myself so it was kind of nice um naturally that followed with a few cgn deals naturally no kidding yeah weird yeah Uh, never happens snow did a big damper on stuff around the acreage this week so basically we had the six inches of heavy wet snow couldn't get up the driveway so well, what else am I going to do? So I reorganized the uh, the range of bags since I just used it. And I realized it was a dog's breakfast, so I kind of cleaned it all out. Uh, there's actually an overhead storage part of my woodshed that I've never actually been to since I bought the house. And I thought, you know, maybe I should see what's up there. And so I discovered, like, Jimmy Hoffa's severed head and some information on JFK's assassination. But I did not find anything regarding Hillary Clinton or anything that might lead to her arrest. <laughs> so just want to make sure about that. Um see here so yeah i clean that out and all of a sudden i have more storage space under a nice dry roof which is big deal around here right so i can use that for next fall uh or also organize the quad toolbox on the back of the quad because it was again i've just been throwing stuff in there all winter uh again screw the snowstorm because it actually ripped out or uh, ruined my burn netting on two of my coops so we had like burn netting up there to keep the eagles and hawks and stuff away and yeah so it all went down to the ground because of the snow so i had to rip all that out and uh course just in time to hear the baby eagles in the forest squawking and they're hungry so i'm like oh i guess i better get some bird netting back up like asafp because i'm gonna start losing chickens to those mm-hmm. um couple of gunsmithing projects involving dremels belt sanders and everything else just uh, tinkering in the shop because of the snow so you're a pro now i'm a pro yeah because <laughs> you know dremel and, and oh don't forget the uh what's that that uh, that two-part metal stuff the uh uh, JB Weld? JB Weld, there you go. <laughs> you gotta use the JB Weld too, right? Uh, let's see here. So we had a house electrical issue come up, uh, and not to, you know, I didn't want to have my fireman show up, so I didn't just say, hey, screw it, I don't care if I can smell like ozonated air and, you know, burnt plastic sheathing or anything else. So track that one down as a faulty power outlet in one of the daughter's rooms. Uh, that was not cool. Uh, let's see here. The quad trailer had started grinding pretty heavily when I was dragging stuff around the acreage, so I, uh, I, discovered that one of the bearings had seized up so i actually did my first bearing repack since high school and yeah that's kind of embarrassing when you haven't done one of those for a while uh let's see here facebook hates us so i started a new group on gab called self-reliance and homesteading canada did not use the prepper word because i figured it just you know in case they started to start banning stuff randomly uh let's see here yeah with gavin and the rest of the guys i made a point of watching the latest government bill on gun control uh ian runkle runkle the bailey on mm-hmm. youtube he uh he's starting to provide like segmented episodes on breaking it down the finer details of all that so we don't need to get into that per se very well uh, done though yeah and yeah. he started the, the first overview and then he's going to start with the individual items next which is yep. i'm looking forward to that uh i guess andrew can talk about the patriot challenge but i've basically been doing my best to keep up with that every single day and that's pretty much it for me. That's it. Cool. Yeah. I, 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 only, I didn't have time to sneak off and get another drink. Uh, <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost. 
Um, I replaced all my cordless tools, all my power tools uh, this week, which was pretty cool. I got rid of all my old Milwaukee stuff. Um, it was starting to break down. Some of that's getting close to 10 years old, but the batteries were still in great condition. And so I was able to sell off what I didn't, uh, what I still had and bought a new set of rigid tools. And so far I'm enjoying those. Um, did a lot of uh, rucking and lifting. So I've got this 50 pound weight vest that I've been carrying around and um, got about a 5k route that takes me between the two train tracks near my house. And my time on that is getting faster and faster, which is, you know, feeling good. Um, my sandbag workouts are getting heavier and heavier, which is also awesome. Uh, next week I'm traveling up uh, to the northern ish part of the province, the, the gap between the north and the south of, uh, of Ontario for a course. And so I spent today uh, getting all my, my meals ready. I'll be staying in a hotel for six nights and uh, a lot of driving in between here and there. So I'm going to be there, make sure that I'm well prepared just in case bad things happen and hopefully not, uh, not stray too far from the, uh, from the meal plan. Nice. And, you know, sending lock picks out to various people that I know and buying excessive lock picks for no damn reason. Apparently <laughs> redundancy. Yeah. Oh, hey. oh no! This, this one is like this is far beyond redundancy. This is like for no damn reason. It was. Just, <laughs> no, I just mis- one, I misunderstood a text message from Eric, and now all of a sudden I have new tools. So <laughs> one is none. A case yeah, is also one. One. One, yeah. one case. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's none. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gavin and I got out today this weekend. We were teaching our very first map reading and land navigation course with Ragnarok Tactical. We did a non-firearms course, which up until now we've done a little bit, a tiny, tiny bit of first aid medical stop the bleed type courses. But this is really not a move, or more of the move and less of the shoot communicate and medical stuff that we normally are playing around with. So we had a, a good group out and got lost in a park and it was a good time people had fun no one died that's like that's rule number like that's that's you know bonus outcome number one so it wasn't a park yet then no it was Uh, a proper park there's a duck pond good oh good there was a duck pond we did get to feed the ducks was was well that's nice so we had lots of people out playing with maps and getting lost in the woods ian touched on it i i've been doing the Canadian Patriot Challenge, because it's my challenge for my podcast, and I feel like I should set a good example, or at least not a terrible example. Uh, 45 minutes of exercise every day, drink two liters of water, read for 15 minutes, practice a skill for 10 minutes, and do one thing to improve your life. The exercise one sucks, and drinking (laughs) water sucks. And reading I actually enjoy. I could read a lot. The other ones aren't so bad, but the exercising and the drinking water, because I really, my water should have been boiled with hops and barley in it. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, practicing, I like my a water. Could, practicing a skill could just be working a chainsaw, which, you know, it's a skill and it's kind of fun and it's kind of exercise too. So. And if it creates fire, what it improves your life? There you go. Two yeah. things, two things together. Stacking. Yeah. It's all about the stacking. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that, that's how I, I knock off the, uh, the Patriot challenge. I mean, for, for, for my preps, um, I'm coming at you live from my new and improved uh, bunker. So I rearranged all of 
my kit, my guns that I haven't lost in a boating accident because it registered, and all the empty um, boxes of ammunition that I don't have anymore. But yeah, I've been uh, getting up an hour earlier than I normally do to get my workout in, get my reading in, get a stretch in. So working on me. It's important. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock out the, the exercise and the reading and the drinking of the water, trying to do that all at once, but I'm finishing up the, the last little bit of my, my two liters for the day right now, because apparently alcohol doesn't count. Nope. <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing it right, alcohol actually like detracts from the amount of water that you've had. Well then. Yeah. With that, um, I think we should move into the main top. Sorry, um, I just noticed a comment here from Brad uh, Brad Taylor. Um, shoot me an email, alan at prepperpodcast.ca. Um, we can talk off air about uh, about tools. Perfect. Sorry, there we go. Yep, all good. Let's move into the main topic, shall we? All right, so at first I was excited when they th- thought we were going to talk about tight pants, and uh, <laughs> then I was just... Oh, oh, oh. I mean, not exclusively, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> They're not, not tight pants if you do it right. <laughs> And, and if you yeah. really if you really want a, a good Google uh, search subject, Google tactical laser later hose. It, it's uh, you, you cannot unsee it. So anyway, uh, acid wash mum jeans. I just said that's another taboo subject tonight. We can't talk about those tonight. All right, I'm out. Well, you I'm out. <laughs> I did not agree to this. Yeah. And remember, keep learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, right there. don't Google those. Yep. Uh, okay, so first question for you guys. Uh, every time I was on the Facebooks and Mark Zuckerberg was monitoring everything I did and typed in, I seem to get a lot of those advertisements for those uh, Chinese-made, super tactical, super awesome jeans that they were like taking a knife and trying to slice through them and pouring water on them and everything else. So gimmicky advertising, I get that, but let's talk about what makes a, a tactical pant. Well, first they're jeans and they're made by Chuck Norris. If you remember Fair those. Enough. Yeah. Did yep. Chuck Norris have jeans? Yeah, yeah, action jeans. Oh, come on, man. Seriously? Oh yeah, they, but they were but they were jorts. Like they were they were like <laughs> they were they were barely Daisy Dukes. Oh he had pro- like it was an actual brand, action product. jeans. Yeah. A- yeah, Chuck Norris action jeans. Yep. Yeah. You could he he like the photo is him in the jeans doing like a high kick. It's awesome. That must that. have been an Ontario thing, because like I ever No, I- that was like an eighties thing. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was a very it was a very eighties thing. Yep. Yeah, if you got karate magazines in the eighties, he was advertising. If you though. remembered Enron, you should have remembered this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure these were the jeans that the guys were wearing in Nam back when <laughs> jeans were actually tactical pants. I'm pretty sure I probably blocked it out of my memory. It was like a traumatic yeah. event or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do remember the, the Chuck Norris cut off the horrible things from his, some of his action movies, but yeah, yeah, yeah those were bad. Yeah. No. No, actual tactical pants. I think the uh, the primary factor is probably the assault pockets. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> yeah, it's got to have more than four. More pockets than five. Can... If it's, it's over capacity that way. If it's got more yeah. than five pockets, or assault. Uh, nobody, pockets. nobody needs that. <laughs> no, it's terrible. Are, are they black in color, or they just come in multicolor? Mm. I feel like black is definitely an option, but again, like it's very eighties to go with the all black. Um, yeah, you need the black turtleneck and the sweater to go with that to be like the eighties. It's gotta be the commando off. sweater with the. Oh, but is it black or is yeah. it slightly darker black? Arch- Archer style, I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very black. 
Uh, <laughs> there are a number of good brands to look in terms of tactical clothing, tactical pants. Um, and there are a number of different features and there's sort of a few common styles of tactical pants, like your traditional BDU battle dress uniform style, cargo pant, military pant, the, the not slender, not form fitting giant cargo pocket variety. Yeah. It billows the minute that you put anything in it. <laughs> yeah, but they're so, so handy. Oh yeah. No, I love yeah. my Costco cargo shorts and the cargo pants. Cause you know, basically look like John oh, yeah. after a while and, yeah, and you can easily put two or three cans of beer in each pocket. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're great for cottaging. Yeah, right. and golfing, yeah. and just you know walking about the park and you any place where you might want to have several beers. Yeah, you also get your super duper high speed pants with the built in knee pads. If you're going with Arcteryx or um, Cry, I mean those Cry, would be Gucci, yeah. If you've got some serious money to drop on pants, Arcteryx and Cry and yeah. the built-in promotion pads and the many of pockets and the slightly more <laughs> form-fitting factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they no longer made with denim, I'm sure. So what's the best material for these things? Depends. Two big ones, yeah. uh, polycotton ripstop and uh, just cotton ripstop. The Poly cotton ones are usually treated depending on the brands. Like 5.11 puts Teflon on all their stuff. Okay. So it's got the built-in stain water repellent. It wears out over time, but it comes that way. Yeah. And have the stain repellent on some colors is, is nice. Yeah, and then when you're tactically snacking and you spill something, it just kind of wipes, wipes right off. You don't have to worry. Wipes off. Can confirm. There's, yeah, you, uh... there, there's there's <laughs> some other materials that people are kind of experimenting with, with like that soft shell material and, and stuff like that, which like can make for some stretch stuff. The, there's like the four way mechanical stretch that a lot of brands are doing now. Yeah, it's still a a poly or a poly cotton blend, but they've got the mechanical stretch. Which, if you've had too many tactical snacks, sometimes a nice yeah. feature. Also, yeah, if I mean... you're doing the Chuck Norris kick them in the face routine again having the the flexibility in addition to the gusseting yeah there, there, there's a bit of a trade-off though between like the durability and the flexibility of your pants so depending on what you need them for and like exactly what the cut and size are you might not want a pant that's super flexible because chances are the material is probably a little bit softer and easier to rip but you know you get the full mobility and everything so yeah if you're doing your Chuck Norris kicks, you want that, you know, you're running through the woods, you maybe want something that, like, isn't going to rip if it snags on something. So you guys mentioned the uh, water repellent thing. Uh, Can you recharge that water repellent? Like, is there, like, a spray or something you can do afterwards? Teflon and silicone are both options, but, I mean, it's a diminishing returns, because every time you wash it, it wears off, and how many times do you do it, and is it worth it, and I feel like the the stain repellent, water repellent stuff can be kind of gimmicky. If you really want water repellent tactical pants, you probably want to go to a product like a Gore-Tex, like a a breathable membrane, or something in like a 100% polyester shell, where it's a, a, like a hard shell jacket. Yeah, because yeah. I'd be kind of curious if, it, if it's waterproof, if it can still breathe or not, because you still want to get rid of the sweat and everything else if you're actually doing some tactical stuff, right? Well, yeah, you'd that. want a good Gore-Tex or something like that that's breathable, I would suggest. I mean, A lot of it, it goes into a layering scheme, as with like any outdoors clothing. 
Uh, a lot of it has to do with appropriate layering and mission specific yeah. or environment or, specific clothing. I mean, so if you're if you're going to be in a cold place, you probably want some sort of insulated loft pant underneath, but maybe something more water repellent on the outside. If you're going to go and do like tactical tropical operations, maybe swim shorts are the way to go, and you're going to have less yeah. pockets in your banana hammock than in your in your five eleven BDUs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're really uh, looking for some some waterproofing on a budget, I mean, like Rust-Oleum makes that like two part waterproofing spray stuff. That actually works really, really well, but you're going to stiffen up that material and it actually puts a bit of a white tint to the thing that you've sprayed. So, like, if you are on a budget and you want to make your jeans waterproof, you can do it, but they're going to be a little crunchy. resistant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brendan has a question there. Um, anybody know what the Duluth Trading Fire Hose Flex Pants are made out of? Fire hoses. Yeah. <laughs> Which no, are not, not waterproof in any way, shape, or form, just for the record. I, I looked into the Duluth stuff a while ago. Um, I have not looked at them in a couple of years, but I, I thought the Duluth stuff was kind of interesting when I heard about it. It was difficult to get it out of the U.S., and I never ended up ordering any. But the, uh, the Duluth stuff is the same material that a fire hose is made out of, or at least it was when I last looked at it. Interesting. So it's, a, it's a synthetic. I think it's a, I think it's a poly blend. It's usually it's usually a nylon nylon polyester weave, and they're pretty good for uh, um, like that. The material itself is fairly abrasion resistant, but once it starts to go, it's it goes fast. Yeah. Although, I mean, I hope they've trademarked that name because if I ever make pants, the uh, the stretchy crotch area is going to say that it's got fire hose flex. Oh, uh, here we go. Uh, but According to the Duluth Trading Company, the fire hose flex pants are sixty-nine dollars and fifty cents. Which wow, I thoroughly appreciate. Spandex. What else are they made out of, though? Um, so I would have thought it would have been like a poly nylon blend, but it's not. Eight obvious. ounce fire hose cotton canvas, thirty percent lighter than their originals, and just as abrasion resistant. Mm-hmm. So it's it's ca- it's cotton it's cotton canvas with three percent spandex. Neat. Yeah. Mm. Well then, it doesn't so sound like gonna, a whole lot. It's going to absorb. But... It's going to absorb every uh, um, every little uh, drop of whatever that you get on it because it's that cotton. Sounds, sounds like a hard pass to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I have some original five eleven tactical pants like the original tactical pants in fbi beige and they've held up pretty well 150 or 200 washes later and they're still mostly beige and mostly not too badly frayed and they're the whatever they are six and a half ounce cotton or eight and a half ounce cotton the original 511 tactical pant yep that had a set of 511s for at least seven eight years now same thing all yeah. good. Bane's asking, uh, more importantly, do they melt and stick to your naughty bits when you set yourself on fire? He's asking for a friend. So I guess uh, nylon would be bad for that no matter what. Yeah, there, there's some yeah. definitely some companies that make good uh, fire resistant. So uh, your pants will still burn and disappear, but they won't melt. Um, there's a company called Massif that makes um, no-melt 
tactical pants. I was actually wearing a pair of them today because they make an excellent, uh, like, tactical sweatpant that's actually fleecy on the inside, so it's super warm. I had those on today for the, the outdoor land nav, and I was quite toasty. And they're super, super comfy. Nice. I recommend. Stupid question, but what makes a pant a tactical pant rather than a just other pant? Also, is it pant or pants? Marketing. Okay. Yeah. Also, I feel strongly about the number of pockets. Tactical pants should have a lot of pockets. Okay, so I'm just yes. going to lose my stuff when I'm just wearing those as opposed to when I'm wearing regular pants. Because I want to wear pockets in. the big differentiating factor with, with the... Uh, anything tactical automatically has more pockets and fasteners than anything that is not tactical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. and then it's usually Velcro. Step beyond that, I'm going to say that it probably involves some kind of camouflage or subdued color patterns. As opposed to in like your normal pants, the um, there are a number of styles, and there are a lot of very good European pants, which are definitely more of a um, snug fit. But I've noticed that the uh, there are some American brands that are also going to a more hipster friendly cut, like the new Five Eleven ABR pants are definitely um, more form fitting Mm. than previous generation Five Eleven product. I would call them frappuccino mm. pants or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of the skinny pants look. The ABR pants are very, very comfy. I, well, I used to when I went to an office for work wear those as my work pants in an office environment because they were in a plain color, passable as work pants. Yeah, Despite I've got a couple of uh, pockets. Yeah, a couple of European brands. I don't like the super, super tight, skinny look either, uh, but some of the, the companies out there are making some stuff that's not like a skinny jean, but it's a little bit slimmer. But you really need to be careful in your sizing sizing, and pick like the, the exact right waist and leg length because if you don't, the built-in knee pads don't line up properly and like, they just don't fit. Whereas like an American-style cut where it's like, you maybe have a few sizes is going to be a little bit more universal in its fit. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like this is one of those things. That depending on the generation and style of pants, a lot of a lot of stuff is size small, medium, large. Like a BDU pant, um, a military style pant, you, you yeah. generally get like regular or long, and it's up to you to like sort that out. If it's needs yeah. <laughs> to or not, that's that's yeah. a you problem. Just like when they issued it. Um, they also tend to do like a small, medium, large, extra large type waist in in those pants. So it's, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of helpful get form fitting. Um, yeah. Pros and cons: some brands like the Five Eleven, uh, their their TDU line, which is their their BDU style pant. Um, they call theirs the tactical duty uniform. They have the elastic waistband. It's like a hidden waistband inside, yeah. so it's very flexible for those extra turkey dinners around the holidays. Yeah. Too, very too many donuts on shift, and you have yeah. the, the expandability to have it move with you more freely. Some um, some styles, you don't have that. You have what, what Gavin mentioned, especially the European brands um, and some of the Russian brands. It's very particular metric sizing that you have to measure the way that they want you to measure, or it does not work for you. Yeah, so you I mean, more, more traditional ones will have, like, the, the little sliders on the sides, because, like, inevitably, yeah. yeah, when you only have three sizes of pants, 
they're never going to fit great. So you have to like pull the little slider toggle thing to, to tighten them up or a drawstring or something like that. Uh, that awkward. prevents them from shrinking in the closet like other pants do. Yeah. <laughs> it it does happened to a lot of my that. pants this year, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. More exercise, more rocking, more walking. Yeah. Yep. So, so I, I, I got a dumb question right now. Uh, so first things first, as per the Facebook ads, you mentioned the knee pads uh, being built into the, the tactical pants. Is there such a thing as like a, a pant made for like go to war pants, not to copy nothing fancy or anything else, but like uh, is there something that's actually like slash proof or has a little bit of like John Wick style protection or is there anything like super tactical or is it just like ripstop nylon? Super tactical is probably the externally integrated knee pad that Cry runs or Cry yeah. knockoffs run. So they've got a knee, like an external polymer knee pad with a knee pad pocket. So you don't wear out the knees of your tactical pants when you're working on that next promotion to get moved up to squad leader. That's right. Yeah. And then like the Arcteryx ones use something a little bit different. Like they have their standalone kneecaps, they call them, that integrate into the pocket in the pant. And then uh, UF Pro has like built in sort of knee padding and then crotch vents. But, you know, there's no slash proof or make sure there's like somewhere if you look but like the, the major brands are not making slash proof pants there are some brands that are doing the fire uh retardant fabric yeah. the, the fr rated fabric so it's okay to be around open flame and it won't melt and like be permanently yeah. part of you after that like no max or something uh, no, yeah. there's a couple other FR options. Some of them are done through a chemical application process, and some of them are done through the type of material that are used. Um, and yeah, then you and can get an requirement FR rate item. Yeah, for certain jobs in certain applications, it's a requirement that your uniform be made of that material because there's a good chance you may be on fire. Yeah, my like all of our bunker gear, of course, is uh, is Nomex, but even our um, our coveralls um, for those departments that allow them they have to be they have to have the fr rating on them and it's it's a combination of nomex and cotton and a chemical application and you have to wash them in a certain way and you can't use specific types of um detergents with them and they have to be recertified every couple of years and there's a lot to it and they won't stop you from being on fire they'll just yeah. probably not become part of you if they melt yeah 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 but they um stop you from being slashed or shot or yeah. otherwise immolated or some other tragic turn of events. Yeah, like there there are some companies like that make some pretty uh, cool stuff for the more um, covert guys. Like there's a company in Toronto called Gray Man that makes suits and they put like slash proof material in the sleeves of their sport coats and stuff like that. So like there's people out there that make that stuff. And I would definitely cool. call anything that uh, Gray Man makes as a tactical pant, even though it looks generally like, like a, a dress very pant. normal dress pant, like a suit pant, usually yeah. as part of a suit or something like a a business casual type pant. Yeah, yeah, um, they use they, a like a Kevlar type material to get that sort of slash proof. I think they use Spectra in it. They cater to uh, armed security and undercover law enforcement type people who may have to do dangerous things in dangerous places while not looking like dangerous people. Yeah. Cool. 
question for, for the panel then. Um, I'm on the 511 website, and they have a big thing, a big banner across the top saying uh, they want, they're not shipping to Canada. Who retails them in Canada? Well, I saw a store in Vancouver here, Warriors and Wonders. They carry a complete line of 511 uh, gear. That's also I'm, known as, I think it's also known as Blades Canada on the website, but Warriors yeah. and Wonders. I mean, there's a... Distributor are. 511 Canada uh, is a difficult brand. 511 generally in the last couple of years has become a difficult brand to deal with and they've moved yeah. to wanting to have brick and mortar stores mm. yeah. they're trying mm -hmm. to be more of a lifestyle brand and it's I think hurting some of their core business yeah in Ontario I think there are only two two and a half I'll say uh, actual distributors of the product that buy directly from 511 and retail it. Um, I can't imagine there's too many more in any of the other provinces. Probably you know one or two in every province that are actual yeah customers directly that would be able to buy it. Okay. I mean it's kind well, of available so everywhere, but also yeah it's it's really becoming more of a lifestyle brand than anything else, which is kind of weird because they started out as a climbing gear company Fair and then turned into How a tactical company moniker. Uh, so 511 is the most difficult type of mountain to be scaling yeah so kind of like abc uh, all over again is gotcha. what you're saying. yeah i guess it was uh the, the guy that owned royal robbins started another brand for climbing or whatever and then they started getting i guess contracts to make tactical stuff uh, I noticed that Cabela's is starting to carry some too, so yeah, you can see where they're going for the yeah. style thing, right? Yeah. Which I don't have anything against, and they make some great clothing, but I think that 511's also gone to being a lifestyle brand is detrimental to some of their core business, and a lot of their newer products are very heavily marketed with people like Tim Kennedy, U.S. Army Special Forces Sniper, MMA Fighter, um, Green Beret, Ranger Qualified, mm -hmm. Something trade. He's also a reservist, isn't he? But you got to yeah. do the entire deal because when he does his introduction, it takes like a minute and a half because he's has he's all, all the titles. Yeah, guy has all the titles. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, so yeah, they still make some good stuff, but like, I mean, I'm not going to stop buying their pants because they make yeah, a decent pants for a decent price. The, like the ABR pants when I wear through the couple of pairs that I have they're probably done because they're just not as durable as the original 511 yeah. tactical pants were and same thing like it's hard to beat their TDU pant for when you yeah. can get them in Canada for like 75 or 80 bucks a pair and they last yeah. for years it's hard yeah. to beat yeah. for mean, another brand name BDU style pant yeah, I mean, I put my traditional TDUs from them like through all kinds of hell, and they last for years and years and years. Right? Hard to beat for a sub one hundred dollar because then the the tiers that you're going above that you're looking at Cry or Arcteryx, and you're hundreds of dollars for a pair of pant to get the same level of performance. Well, I, mean, I, guess they're, I mean, they're the new kid on the block, I guess, is first tactical that makes a very comparable pant to the, the 511 pant. It's almost yeah, like somebody kind of left that tactical. company and started another company that's very similar. 
Yeah, first tactical has a lot of what look like five eleven ripoffs, and I think that's because a lot of the the design and I think some of the senior management people moved from one one company to the other. They went from five eleven, they left five eleven, and they moved to first tactical, and they've brought some of the same core strategy over. They do make um, a reasonable tactical pant that uh, first tactical in Canada is really easy to get. They have a distributorship in Ontario. They do online. It's pretty straightforward. The pant, I don't think their basic tactical pant is as good as the 511 basic tactical yeah, pant. It's definitely a slimmer also, cut, too. Yeah, I think it's a narrower cut, and I don't think it is as functional with the layout of their yeah. pockets. But it's a perfectly serviceable pant for about the same price, and it might it meets most of the same user requirements. And they also have a step above uh, uniform line pant, like a TDU-style pant, that's a few hundred dollars, so you're not quite cry money, uh, because that's the, when you spend money on cry pants, that's what happens, because it's a $500 pair of yeah, pants. But it's buy ones, cry ones, yeah. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. Arcterix, which is a good Canadian brand. Arcterix is out of BC. They're good, especially if you can get their stuff as a second from their from their BC yeah. location. Because you will not spot the, the mistake in their second. Yeah, their factory so, seconds look fine. I've never seen a factory second that I can tell was a factory their, second. Their warranty is phenomenal, too. And it's um, nice to be able to support Canadian companies with that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I've recently picked up a few pairs of the uh, Helicon Techs uh, covert pants, which are almost like a soft shell material, very stretchy, but I wear them as work pants because they look like sort of, you know, casual slash dressy plain pants with none of the like tactical pockets that are screaming. This is a tactical pant, uh, well, but they do have a bunch of hidden pockets in them, which come in handy for certain things. This is very much one of the European style functions where they still yeah. have side pockets and slash pockets, but they're less um, visible than a lot of yeah. the Americanized brands are. They they don't... Much like the IDPA fishing vest, they don't scream, shoot me first. Yeah. Mm, okay. But yeah, like along the waistband on each side, they have like your normal front slash pockets, your normal rear pockets, but then there's another pocket in between them, but the way that the pockets are sewn with the sort of seam, you can't really see that, that it's a pocket. And then they actually have... Uh, on the inside of the waistband for magazine pockets. So you can uh, so you need to carry a there. large number of rifle magazines. Um, yeah. I do want to go know. back and touch a little bit on tactical jeans because there is um, some reasonable tactical jeans on the market now. There's been 511 tried to do some and they were okay, but n the denim did not hold up well because I think they were trying to get it at that lifestyle budget price so the denim yeah. was not of the best quality uh, vertex has been making a very very quality tactical jean for several years um, hidden key cuff pockets on the inside of the waistband hidden magazine pockets on the back where the regular pockets are uh, but they look like a five pocket jean but they're gusseted in the um middle the of the places. legs area where you want the extra freedom of motion. Yeah. And the gusseting is nice and they, they're also articulated at the knees so as to not reveal anything that you may be concealing about your ankles were you to sit down. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. 
so if you have an ankle medical kit or other accessories. What uh, brand name is that? That was trying to do the Vertex. V E R T X. Yeah, their there's their regular tactical pant is also very nice. They've got some little features to them that are that are nice and like they they've got the, you know, the side cargo pockets, but the way that they make them, like when you don't have anything in them, they're not just flapping around. They're very close to the body. So like if you wanted to Almost run concealed. some sort of a a thigh rig over top, not that it should be down that low, but like if you needed to, it it's not going to Feel like you've got a bunch of fabric under it that's getting all bunched up because they lay nice and flat and stay out of the way. They're not going to catch on things like some of the old school ones where you see how like big floppy pockets. Uh, Bane points out that uh, Vertex does make a fine skinny jean too. He says very operator. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, uh, yeah, I like the Vertex jeans. They're again, they're a little bit on the form-fitting side. They're not the the hipster skinny jeans because I can get my fat self into them. Yeah, but, but I think are... that's just the style of jean. Unfortunately, now is that everyone's going to a slimmer thing, so nobody's ba- making like a a baggier. I oh, that's, believe that's true. Dream. I'm. I'm, I have enormous calves, and I can never find like I almost have to go up two extra sizes in the waist to get pants that fit in the legs. Well, I, see, I like my Costco uh, cargo shorts because they had fifteen thousand pockets on them. Of course, the kids just refer to them as the dad shorts. <laughs> of course, they're, yeah. they're about four feet wide and you know a foot and a half long. So yeah, you and you wear them with your right your white tennis shoes, right? Well, yeah. and the socks all the way up to a knee too. Your grass stained New Balance. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess that, you know, touching on like tactical pants and all that, the the downside is is there's not too many brands out there that make a good tactical pant for women. Um, 5.11's tried a couple times. Yeah, first tactical makes a set, Vertex makes them, and I think that's about the only three brands that really do anything specifically for women. Which is unfortunate, because you may have noticed that women are generally built and shaped slightly differently than men. Well, yeah, I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's unfortunate, and as especially in a profession where you may want to have a number of pockets, um, EMS pants particularly usually come in a women's cut. So if you can find an EMS pant vendor as a uh, a a woman, a person who identifies as female, I don't want to assume anyone's genders. But if you wanted to have pants that were cut for a women, but had the features of tactical pants, I would strongly look into women's EMS pants because they're designed to shove a bunch of junk into them, yeah. but also still fit on a woman. Yeah. And they've also you got a really some, cool loop for your scissors. Yeah, I just say, yeah, you may have some features that you don't use, like the little pocket. Yeah, for your yeah, shears, whatever. I like, had carpenter's jeans for years, and I've never been a carpenter. It's fine. Yeah, but you drink like one, so it's okay. That's not true. Don't drink nearly that much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, EMS pants for women would be my kind of closest go-to if you aren't looking at a dedicated tactical brand like Vertex or 511. And the 511 can be hit or miss on women's clothing. Yeah, sizing is... They were really great with like the range... Raven range tights, range Raven tights, whatever yeah. the order of those was in, but they discontinued them. And they had a women's five pocket jean that had five actual pockets like men's jeans and they discontinued them. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of other companies out of the US that make uh 
tactical leggings or concealed carry leggings, which would be kind of in the tactical pant market, um, you know, but allow you to carry some extra stuff or whatever. Well, I think those carpenter jeans too, they can, uh, they have that big loop so you can put your battle tomahawk in there, right? Yeah. Or your war hammer or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. it's important to have that hoop there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I've got one question. Is it left leg or right leg first? I mean, I guess that depends on how you dress. Yep. <laughs> this is a question for you and your tailor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Then. And also whoever the guy is that does your pants. And, yeah. and, and nobody yeah. mentioned Car- nobody mentioned Carhartt once this entire episode. Well, you just I, did. I don't rep. Yep. I don't. I don't relate Carhartt to being tactical, but there is certainly nothing wrong with Carhartt workwear or any other any other workwear type pant is probably going to get by just fine as a tactical like outdoors at the range. Put a bunch of junk in your pocket and do hard work with your friends type of pant. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I was going to say durability wise, I think they got everybody beat. They just uh, they aren't as utilitarian, yeah. I think, but. Yeah, and like there, there's some other brands that kind of cross over and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Like there's a, a new company on the block, Atlas something or other, that makes like kit for construction workers that obviously has a military flair because it all comes in camo and like the cool new guy camo and all that. That's exactly what you know. I care about on a construction site is blending into the background. Yeah. But I guess yeah, a bunch of important. people in the military have gone and retired and now are in construction, so they want to dress oh, yeah. the part still, or people that do construction wish they had signed up and would have looked the part. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those. Yeah, Carhartt's a great example. The problem is, I think, that like a bunch of people that used to do things in places where they needed to not look like they're a cool guy operator have started wearing Carhartt, so like it stopped becoming a, just like a regular work pan and you start standing out. Yeah, if you want to spend way too much money on something that looks and acts like Carhartt pants, uh, cool. K-U-H-L? K-H-U-L? Um, I forget which order it is, but cool pants, because that was the like the original undercover overseas operator cool guy embassy pant. Yeah. But they look K- like Carhartt work pants. K-U-H-L. K-U-H-L? Perfect. Yep. Um, great pants. Expensive, but great pants. Yeah, but yeah, the downside to that is if you're trying to go for the more gray man look, you're probably not being a gray man wearing that kind of stuff either. Well, you stand out to people that look for that kind of stuff. So if if Gavin and I are around and we're checking out the brand that's emblazoned on the back of your jeans, that's all we're doing is checking out the brand, I swear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Well, that's all I had. Is that the list for pants? I, guess we I feel like that covers a significant amount. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we were able to talk for the, about this for an hour. Yeah, well, I didn't expect this would be a short episode. No, yeah, no. we have a lot to say about. Oh, pants. it's not over yet. I'm well. It I'm trying not. to come up with a third pants joke in a row, and I'm I'm drawing a blank now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. Oh well. Shall we move into the podcast challenge with that? Sure. I got one off the cuff here. Oh, oh, there's, oh. There's the third one. There you go. Ah, there it is. So the podcast challenge this week is to find one pair of utility pants to go with your Hawaiian shirt from Ragnarok Tactical for the apocalypse. Very nice. I'm really glad this is all zipped up now. Uh, it's not, not talking about yet. your pants. 
That's why your camera's off, huh? Yep. <laughs> Hey, I, I, I haven't worn pants recording this recording an episode of uh, of, of the podcast in I don't know at least a year. Me either. TMI. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so upcoming events, absolutely nothing because COVID. Uh, yeah, we've got uh, deal of the week. All right, as previously mentioned in keeping the house warm and I think uh, off off grid heating solutions. The infamous wood-burning camp stove from Princess Auto is uh, back in stock, and it has gone down in price. So it is now $58.88. Which means you can buy that and, like, three carbon monoxide alarms. And maybe a set of Carhartts, too, at Princess Auto. Uh, Yeah, so I put the link in the show notes for uh, basically a $60 wood-burning stove with a pretty decent chimney on it for emergency backup. Pretty dang cheap. That's good. That is good. I like it. It's moving the shout outs. Uh, shout out to new listener Ethan. Thanks for joining us. That's all I got. All right. I got one for a listener Josh uh, who contacted me by email this week. And good luck on the ham exam. And he's hopefully going nice. to come on next month and talk about to us about uh, melting down lead for uh, various uses. Cool. Nice. There you go. Andrew? I'm going to give my shout out to Liz that was at the map and compass class today this weekend who i understand is also a listener to this fine podcast as well as the rest of our class but they weren't sucking up by telling us that they listen to our internet stuff yeah Yeah. nice yeah thanks liz Liz. we appreciate you yeah thanks for coming out hey we'll move into uh email and itunes reviews so got an email here from uh, brendan who i do see in the live chat uh, throughout the show here so read this off and feel free to jump in if you want while i'm reading it uh so it says uh, hello from new england found your podcast a couple of months ago and have been trying to catch up ever since uh, you've put a lot of good content and it's uh, great how realistic you are with uh, your advice and challenges you don't just recommend everyone buy everything or take all the courses uh, or you like your conversational style and banter I appreciate that you try not to bring too many politics into the discussion. Eh, we try not to. Uh, as a liberal, yeah, sometimes. There's, there's the odd time. Uh, as a liberal with uh, hippie tendencies who's also a gun owner, is that possible? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe this right. has been achieved right here. Yeah, fair enough. Politics. Uh, yeah. Uh, casual prepper and farm handyman. Uh, it can also be frustrating to engage in the prepper communities that often can be heavily religious, nationalistic, and aggressively conservative. Uh, there's been times listening to your back episodes where I've uh, tried to respond to you, regardless of how loony it made me look talking to myself on the tractor. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, specifically, I, I didn't appreciate your dismissiveness and ridicule of trans of a transgender politician. Uh, as I said, though, overall, I really appreciate your tact and informative dialogue. Uh, right, I'm eager I, to. I'll have to jump in here. So, yeah, you have to tell us which politician we were referring to. But I mean, if it's uh, who I was thinking of, well, I think maybe just confirm the fact that I think he or she's a transgender. It hasn't been proven yet. Uh, anyways, but yeah, just to be clear, with the with rare exceptions like Pierre Polyev, we think all politicians are shitty. We don't just pick on liberals. We we pick on yeah. pretty much universally. Yep. So uh, I don't think that I uh, have yet to meet a politician that I wouldn't be happy to throw out of a helicopter with due process. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like I used to have the internet crush on Michelle Rempel uh, until she mm-hmm. I just discovered she was part of Klaus Schwab's like Hitler Youth group there. So I mean, like, yeah, they they all fall fall by the wayside sooner or later. Yeah, it's true. Some are less crappy than others, but still, generally, they're all 
one degree of crappy or another. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, po- I don't, politicians in general, they the first the first thing I don't like about them is they want to have power. Yeah. Yeah. What is it like? Politicians are you know like diapers. Changed often for the same reason. Frequently for this, yeah. <laughs> for the same reason. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. This goes on to say, uh, I'm eager to finish all the back episodes, and I'm hoping to finally start following along live, which see you are this evening, uh, and adding my two cents, or would be four cents since you got rid of the penny up there in the cold north. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I would just like to point out that New England is north of where I am right now. That's, that's true. Fair enough, yeah, good call. <laughs> <laughs> says, I'm especially looking forward to Book Club going forward. I just finished 77 Days in September, and then the sequel, uh, Daunting Days of Winter. Uh, I'm also wondering what you uh, think of it. Regardless, keep up, and thanks for all the great stuff so far. Cool. Well, thanks for the feedback, yeah. Brendan. That was uh, was awesome. Uh, actually, I did learn that there's a sequel to 77 Days in September, which I haven't been able yeah. to find yet, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, the track well I mean, right now we're at like 328 days of March, so... Yeah. <laughs> two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> well, and you know, it's like a yep. year ago. There's not a single person that would have put up with the idea of being an indefinite emergency uh, declaration, like with mm-hmm. an indefinite end date. And now it's just like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, okay. cool, sure, whatever. Yep, we've, Carry on, we've, whatever. Been, we've been we've been appropriately conditioned. Yeah, yep. yeah, two weeks at a time. So what yep. a, what has been yep. watched more in the last year, brains or hands? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, okay i've got a uh, feedback from uh, g pishner who says uh, talking about shooting small game with the 308 and we did that in jest of course you can take double odd buck pellets and size to 0.309 inches and load them with the 308 with a light load actually that's one thing uh, steve he forgot to mention last week when he's talking about the subcaliber inserts he forgot to mention that some of these game getters that he uses actually have like a little uh, resizer that you can basically take a double odd pe- double odd buck pellet and uh, pound through. You know, resize it to actually fit in a three hundred eight cartridge as well. So, um, cool. yeah, that's a thing for sure. Neat. Yeah, awesome. so you use like a little cool. twenty two caliber ram set thing behind it, and uh, you've got a nice little quiet thing you can use in your three hundred eight. Huh. Cool. Hope you're not using steel pellets down that barrel though. Cause... Well, uh, think, something you only do once or twice. Yeah, yeah. If, you're resiz- if you're resizing it pretty easily with the double out back though, it's probably lead. Yeah, yeah. So, nice. well, with that, I'll bring episode number one hundred and six of the uh, Canadian Prepper podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out and submit a review. It does help other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the shows, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast. Also, the Facebook page, Canadian Prepper Podcast, because that just makes it easy for us. And click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we are going live. You can get me directly. Um, email Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. Where can everybody find you, Gavin? Uh, the best place to find me is uh, through Ragnarok Tactical, or if you're on the Instagrams, uh, UrbexBTA, all one word. If you want to hear more of which politicians I would vote to put on a helicopter, you can <laughs> listen to Canadian Patriot Podcast. Monday nights, 9 o'clock on YouTube, or anywhere fine podcasts are sold. And this week is going to be our version of Book Club, where we're going to be reviewing... 
Ender's Game. That was a fun one. It was a good rune, for sure. Uh, You can reach Ian directly by emailing me at thewesternretreat at gmail.com and now on Gab at, it's called at the Western Retreat. Um, Yeah, you can also find me on the Canadian Patriot Podcast with Andrew and Gavin on YouTube and uh, iTunes, so you can find us discussing why government waste in society makes me go shopping for those tactical later hoses I mentioned earlier. (laughs) And also, I I forget, I should give another shout out to that. That's right. Don't, <laughs> don't knock it till you try it, right? Uh, it's what we did for preps. I forgot to mention the uh, the new page I started up there as well. Uh, or did I? I can't remember. I don't think you did, no. Oh, okay. Uh, Self-Reliance and Homesteading Canada on Gab. Nice. All right. Uh, please check out Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks everyone for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.